All right, good morning to you. Happy New Year, happy new decade, and happy new you. If you're a child of God, you're going to hear this morning that you are a brand new creation in God. And we are so excited to be back with you today, looking forward to what this year holds. This is a year that we teacher, preacher, leader kind of people. It's one of those ones you kind of been looking forward to because it's 2020. 2020. And if you ever go to the eye doctor, you know that's a really important number. Um, when, you're, when you see 2020, um, you see normally. That's normal. It's not perfect. It's normal. It's kind of like this. I, I, tried, I, I tried to explain to Judy and she gave me that, huh? Look. So we have to bring this bin up to explain this. But anyway, if you ever go to the eye doctor, they have you read the eye chart. And basically 2020 vision is this, is that at 20 feet, you can see with clarity, with clarity and with sharpness, 20 feet. And then I won't try to explain what, what it means you got 2040 or 2100, but you don't want to be that way is all I want to tell you, okay? You don't want to be that way. So I'm really excited about the year 2020, and trust me, every scripture, probably in the Bible that deals with vision, you're going to hear it sometime. Because I want to enter this year, and that's why it's so appropriate, I want to enter this year with clarity. I want to enter this year with sharpness. I want to enter this year with our church. And by the way, can I just stop a minute? Thank God for Dorisville Baptist Church and their generosity to Lottie Moon. I tell you, come on, do it again. Do it again. I'm going to tell you, Judy wouldn't do it, so I will do it. And this is not in any way a judgmental statement I want to say, but you need to know something. I don't think we understand how phenomenal what we do here, through, that God does through us, is. Let me pause a moment. So we actually went to church while we were in Oklahoma. Okay, I don't know if you do that or not when you're on vacation, but we did. And we went to a church about our size, Brent. Southern Baptist Church, about our size. Um, a lot of similarities um, in, in church size. And the pastor got up and said, I am so proud of us as we collected just over $2,000 for Lottie Moon. And I'm going, hmm. You know, we, you know, we go, see, we go, hmm. But you know what? That's probably more normal than we know. It's just not normal for us. So I don't know how you do it. I can't explain it. All I know is I thank God for the people of Dorisville Baptist Church and their generosity. And it's just not Lottie Moon. It's everything we do around here. You guys are just incredibly generous, and I am proud to be a part of the family of God. So, so as we as we launch into 2020, you know, I want us to continue to be, you know, sharp and clear and generous on so many areas of, of our lives. Whether it be whether it be our back to school thing, or whether it's over in Africa, or whether it's down in Nicaragua again, perhaps some way somehow, or wherever else we might go. That I want us to know exactly what God wants us to do. And that's the video. I, I didn't know you you might have been going. Why is he showing that? Well, did you hear the words? Let me read them to you again. You know, I can see. Clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. And, and again, watching time, the story is, and I tried to get you a little introduction there. The story is, and it's a true story, um, back in 1988, um, the Olympic trials were going on. And the three guys that you saw stumble and fall, two of them were certain to make the Olympic team, the Jamaican running team. Uh, for the 100-yard dash. They were certain to make it. They had trained all their lives to make it. The third guy was a kind of wannabe, and he crosses over into the other lane and trips the other two guys up. They're, they're, in a moment, in a moment, their hope of going to limits was gone. One guy, the guy that, that tripped him up, he was sorry. He was remorseful. He, he's, he's not, he was just wasn't, you know, he's just sorry. The other guy, the middle lane guy, was angry. Angry, so angry that his chance was robbed from him. 
And the third guy was disappointed, but said, you know what? There's got to be a way we can go to the Olympics. Do you know what he did? He did some research and found out that they could send a bobsled team to the Winter Olympics of 1988 in Calgary, Canada. And as you saw, in case you don't know this, in Jamaica, there is no winter and there is no snow. But he was determined to make it happen. So somehow he rounds up these four guys, the two that trip, and another guy, that, the guy with the curly hair, he's a comedian guy, but, but again, true. And, and then there's this third guy, the guy that caused all this mess. And they came together as a team and they hated one another. The other guy was still just as bitter. And then all of a sudden, they started to come together as a team, Brent. They started to come together as a team. And they started to see clearly. And they didn't win any medals, but they qualified. And they gained respect to the world that a Jamaican bobsled team could qualify for the Olympics. And guess what? The nation's still going today. Every Winter Olympic, there's a bobsled uh, team from Jamaica participating. So, so what is it in your life? What is it in your life that, that you need to see clearly? Is there a relationship that's broken? Is there a disappointment in your life? Is, is there fear about something? And you just need to see clearly today. Well, I want to help us do that today. And in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 5, and verse number 16, and you kind of need to know something about the Corinthian church. They were kind of a weird church. They, they were in some ways stuck on themselves. They couldn't get along. They had a lot of obstacles too, okay? And a lot of dark clouds in, in their church. And so Paul spent at least two letters, or probably three, but he spent two letters um, talking to the Corinthian church about how to be what God wanted them to be. And in the process of that, he teaches them about seeing three things, to see clearly Three things, and that's what I want to share with you today. And the first one is, we find in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, the first part is that we need to see people clearly. We need to see people clearly. Now, that, that, means, that means the ones you're sitting next to, but also it means the ones out there that so desperately need Jesus Christ. Okay, there's so many people in our world, in our sphere of influence, whether you work at the school or the mine or the bank or wherever you might work or the city, wherever you might work. There's so many people who need Jesus Christ, but we've got to make sure we see them clearly. Here's how Paul worded it. In 2 Corinthians 5, 16, the, the first part of the verse, he says, so we have stopped. We have stopped. Now, by the way, do you see something there? They made a choice. Paul made a choice, okay? We have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. In other words, he said we made a determination that we are not going to see people as people see people. We're going to see people as God sees people. The, the secret to success in the Christian walk as far as our influence with the world the secret to success in a church as far as our influence to the world is that when we see people as God sees people. And let me just tell you something. It's not as easy as you think it might be. But let me tell you something. God thinks highly of people. Have you ever thought about that? God thinks highly of people. Listen to what, what i got a slide there. Look what it says. The value of something is established by its worth to the one willing to buy it or redeem it. Let me read it again. The value of something, okay, pick something out in your mind. The value of something is established by its worth to the one willing to buy it or redeem it. So, I can tell you, I'm not a real estate agent. I've never been to, to real estate school. But I can tell you 
exactly what your house is worth. I can tell you. Ryan, I can, I can tell you exactly what your house is worth. Well, Dwayne, how can you do that? Your house is worth exactly what someone's willing to pay for. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Whatever someone's willing to pay. Now, now, if someone walks up and says, Man, this is a beautiful house. It must be worth $200,000. Well, do you want to buy it? Well, no, I don't want to buy it. But somebody walks in with a check and says, Hey, I want to buy your house and I'm willing to pay this for it. That is the value of your house. You know, I, I can tell you the value of your car. Okay? It's whatever someone's willing to pay for it. I, I, can, I can tell you the value of, you know, this is so wrong. I happened to get an email from Best Buy yesterday, and they're saying, we can write you a check for your tech. And the same silly phone they charged me $1,000 for last year, they won't give me $150 for. What kind of ripoff is that? Okay? But I can tell you what your latest tech is worth. It's whatever someone is willing to pay for. You know about eBay. You make bids on eBay. You sell something on eBay. It's whatever someone's willing to pay for it. Okay, now watch this. Watch this. Look at the second part of that quote. The value of something is established by its worth to the one willing. One, there's got to be a desire. The willing to buy it or redeem it. God measured our worth in the blood of his son. I mean, if, you happen, if you're one of those folks you know, who say, well, you know, I just feel so worthless. I feel such a failure. Let me just tell you something. Jesus Christ, on, this, on a Roman cross like this, Jesus Christ shed his blood that you could be forgiven of your sins. God, God thought you so valuable that the plan from the get-go was for Jesus to come and die. Well, let me look in the eye. For you. For you. You know, I, you know, I know it sounds selfish and we've got to be careful about that. But there's an old song that says, you know, well, he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And some preacher said, it wasn't I, it was the world. I get that. But God loves you individually. He loves the world, but he loves you individually. How much? He was willing to send his son Jesus to die for you. So, so, so when, when you're out there in the world and the dude pulls out in front of you, um, when you're out there in the world and someone's nasty to you, when you go out in the world and you see this guy with a sign and you really want to say, get a job. You got to remember something. Just like Jesus died for you, he died for them. God doesn't, God doesn't have different value sets for different people. He sees people as value. And that's how we need to individually as people, okay, we need to see people that way. As a church, we need to see people that very same way. Now, I love it. You know, let, let me give you God's opinion. You know, we, we all, we pastors have this, but you don't have to be a pastor for this one. You all have critics, okay? And, and your critic will tell you exactly what he thinks you're worth. Your wife may tell you exactly what you think, you know, she thinks you're worth, okay? But, but here's the deal. Their opinions, in some degree, are valuable if they're constructive, but you really need to understand God's opinion. God's opinion. But, but not only of you, not only of you, but of the people we face every day that are real challenging. Real challenging. You know, for instance, in Psalm, this is what I call opinion number one. You know, Psalm 139, 14. I will praise you. This is David talking. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. David, like, like has, a, has a gush moment, okay? He says, God, I've got to praise you because it dawned on me. It dawned on me. I am 
fearfully and wonderfully made. I am remarkably and wonderfully made. And look at me. You are too. David didn't have a corner on the market. You do too. No matter if you've got it all together or your life is a mess, okay, you are fearfully and wonderfully, you're remarkably and wonderfully made. Somebody say amen. Take that home. Tell it, tell it to your neighbor whose life is so messed up and so broken. Let him know that God values him. How much? He sent his son Jesus to die. You know, Jesus didn't die just for the sins of me and you. He died for the sins of the entire world. How incredible is that? And then the second opinion, number two, is Psalm 8.3. When I look at the heavens... Okay, you all look at the heavens every once in a while, by the way. Venus has been beautiful in the, in the western sky. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers and the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? Hey, God, what is man that you even, we're even on your radar? Hey, hey, God, what is man that you even thought about us? When I look at everything else you've done, what is man and the son of man that you care for him? Oh, what have we done that you care so magnificently for us? Well, he says, this is what God said. Now, don't get all puffy on me because we are what we are because of him. But here's what the psalmist says. Yet you have made him, man, a little lower than the heavenly beings. Just a little bit lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and went on. So, so the first thing we need to adjust in 2020 is how we see people. How we see people. Chris, going to Spain this year. Lord willing. It won't, won't be long, right? Lord willing, it won't be long. Yeah. You know, I bet you won't go over there. You wouldn't go to Spain if two things didn't occur. You have to love God and you got to love those people. Am I right? Have they done anything to earn your love? No, you just love God, don't you? And because God loves those people, the Cantonese people, then you love the Cantonese people. Can I have an amen? That's how it is. So as we face 2020, and there will be so many difficult situations. You may be in one right now, a relationship. You may be having someone in mind right now, I just can't love this person. I can't respect this person. I can't like this person, okay? Just remember that their value is great to God. Their value is great to God. That's a huge thing to remember. Now, the tendency is to do something, and that is to judge. To judge. We, you know, I don't want to confess today, but it's going to happen. You know, I finally got on the scale like two days ago, and the picture was not pretty. Okay? You know, the picture wasn't pretty. Um, you look in the mirror sometimes, and you go, that's not a very pretty picture. Um, well, we, we don't want to admit that we do this, but the truth is we have a real tendency to. And it's this thing called judging. Judging. Now, now in Romans chapter 2, verses... I'm going to actually do this in verse 1. In Romans chapter 2, verse 1, okay, Paul is talking to the, the Jewish Christians, talking about the Jews, okay? And the Jews thought themselves better because they were God's chosen people, okay? Because they're God's chosen people, they were better. In fact, they were taught as children to call the Gentiles those Gentile dogs. That's what they were taught, okay? And what they did is, because they were God's chosen people, everybody else was less than. So, so they would go to the mall on Saturday afternoon, no, no Friday afternoon, we want to start Sabbath, on Friday afternoon. They would go to the mall, and they would see a Gentile and go, less than, less than, less than, dog, dog, 
dog. Oh, God's chosen, God's chosen, God's chosen. That's what they did. And so Paul is addressing that issue. And here's the deal. If we're not careful because we do the church thing and because we know the grace thing and the God thing, it's way easy to sit there and do to the world less than, less than, less than, forgetting that we too were less than. Okay, that's the deal. That's the deal. The danger of church is, is that we somehow think we become more than when in fact we're all sinners saved by grace. Those who have been saved. Okay? So Paul said in Romans chapter 2 verse 1, and I'll just use verse 1, I bet. Therefore, every one of you, every one of you who judges is without excuse. In other words, you know, when you judge, all excuses are wiped away. And here's what he's saying. Watch this. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself since you, the judge, do the same things. Ooh. Let me read that one again. It's worth reading again. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself since you, the judge, do the same things. Now, it's really important in 2020 that we see clearly, that we see clearly and remember that we are sinners saved by grace. That's what we are. Everything, someone say everything. Everything we are is by God's grace. If you've got talents, it's by God's grace. If you have wealth, it's by God's grace. If you have a talent uh, as far as a, a, a skill, then it's by God's grace. So everything that you are is by God's grace. You've got to remember that. Because then when you see somebody and you have a tendency to judge, you go, whoa, 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 whoa. He's less than, but so am I. He just has not yet experienced God's grace. And we make sure that, that we help them experience God's grace. Amen? Are you following with me? Are you tracking with me? It's a big deal. It's a big deal that we see people as God sees people. It's a huge, huge thing. All right? Then, how do we do that? How do we do that? How, how is it that we, because, you know, we can't do it by ourselves. How can we do that? Well, not only do we need to see people clearly, we got to see Jesus clearly. When we see Jesus clearly, it's, it just moves down the yards a long way of how we see other people, how we uh, love other people. And here's what Paul said in the second part of verse 16 about Jesus. He said, first off, we don't no longer see people just like people, as people see people. He goes, at one time, he said, at one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. At one time, we saw Christ from a nearly, uh, a purely human way. But, but now, how differently do we see him? See, see when you encounter Christ, your, your view of Christ changes. When, when you encounter Christ, your view of Christ changes. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, the first letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Now, you've got to understand something. We live in a culture that sees Jesus as foolishness. Now, again, for those of us who were born in the 50s, raised in the early 60s, like Judy was saying, it was a different world. Okay? You know, Jesus garnered respect. Okay? I don't want to bust your bubble but in the America we live in today, in this post-Christian America, Jesus does not garner respect. There were always people who mocked God. There were always people who mocked Jesus. But now, it's not only unshamely to do it, it's open to do it. 
and people not God. Well, well, Paul says, you know, we used to see Christ that way from a merely human standpoint. So I want, I want to pause and ask you a question. This is to everyone. Right? The ones on radio, the ones on, on FaceTime Live, and to you in this room. Um, so how do you view Christ? When, when you think of Christ... What pops into your brain? Now, uh, what, what comes in? You know, in fact, let me just make it bigger. This whole God thing. As you're sitting on the premises of a, the first Sunday of the, of the new year, the first Sunday of the new decade, you know, as we're sitting here, uh, January the 5th, how does this whole God thing figure out for you? What, is, what does the Word of God mean to you? What does church mean to you? What does forgiveness mean to you? What does a quiet time mean to you? What do all these God things mean? What does Jesus mean to you? I mean, you know, our view of Jesus should always leave us at a loss of words. Our view of Jesus should always leave us at a loss for words. In other words, there's 26 letters in the alphabet, but it's just not enough, Tim. It's just, you know, there's just not enough words. Oh, I wish I could... To do this, you know, um, Tyler sings a song uh, from, from the days of Sandy Patty. He's more than wonderful, more than miraculous, more than marvelous. That's what Jesus is to me. What does Jesus mean to you? Is he some kind of a fire escape that you made uh, pray to prayer 25 years ago, and that's kind of what he is right now, and if you get cancer, you hope he'll be there for you? He is so much more than that. I mean, look at, I, I'm going to try to do something. I debated whether to do it or not, but I'm going to do it. You know, I want you to look at that screen. Just, I want you to focus on the screen. And what those are, obviously, are all these names, okay? All these names for God. Now, here's a totally different list. How many is there? I don't know. There's probably, probably 100 names there, 50, 60, 80 names there. Listen to, listen to this list. I know we're, this is what you don't do in public speaking. I know we're taking a pause, okay? But you concentrate on that screen, and at the same time, just let my words kind of wash over the room. Almighty One, Alpha and Omega, Advocate, Author and Perfecter of our faith, Authority, Bread of Life, Beloved Son of God, Bridegroom, Chief Cornerstone, Deliverer, Faithful and True, Good Shepherd, Great High Priest, Head of the Church, Holy Servant, I Am. Emmanuel, indescribable gift. Judge, King of kings, Lamb of God, Light of the world, Lion of the tribe of Judah, Lord of all, Mediator, Messiah, Mighty One, One who sets free our hope, our peace, our prophet, Redeemer, Risen Lord, Rock, Rock, Sacrifice for our sins, Savior, Son of Man, Son of God, the Son of the Most High, Supreme Creator over all, Resurrection, the Life, the Door, the Way, the Word, True Vine, Truth, Victorious One, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And that's, Amen, Amen. And that's just a snapshot of who Jesus is. So may I challenge you in this year, twenty twenty. To see clearly what Jesus is to you. Don't lose the focus. In, in the video, what started on was the ultimate goal was to somehow get to the Olympics. They entered it begrudgingly. Again, the one guy in the middle that was so angry wanted nothing to do with his teammates. But he wanted to be in the Olympics. And it was a tough, hard road. 
But then, as they came together, as he began to forgive, as he began to see them as a team, then they came together and they qualified. In 2020, let's keep a close focus on the end desire, and that is Jesus Christ. That is Jesus Christ. It's, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about him. And then, that leads us to what I've been tap dancing around all morning. You know, we, we need to see others, and we find ourselves in others. Oh, we need to see Jesus and keep him focused clearly, 2020 on Jesus, of all that he is for us. But then we need to see the miracle, and that's us. That's us. Now, now this is a very familiar verse, but listen to it. This means, this means, fits right in the context, this means that anyone, and by the way, that's everyone, anyone, and that's everyone, who belongs to Christ. Not everybody in the world, but everyone who belongs to Christ. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The, the one, the old life is gone, and the new life has become. So when you trusted Jesus Christ, you became a new person. And the old life was gone, and the new life has come. Now, now let me help with that, because you're going, you know, I've been doing this Jesus thing for about seven years now, and I'm really still struggling, okay? I don't feel very new. Okay, okay, let, let me help with that, okay? First off this, we've got to see it spiritually, okay? In other words, we're going to look directly from the lens of God into you, okay? And God says, when you trusted Jesus Christ, he gave you a new heart, a new nature, you became a new creation in Christ spiritually, okay? And that's how God sees you. That's your position in Christ. That's, that's the new birth. That's the adoption. That's the great change. That's it. the Holy Spirit coming in residence into your life, okay? What we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? So I want you to understand something. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior spiritually, spiritually, okay, you are a new creation. Now, you say, okay, do I got that? But why do I not feel so new? That's the practical problem. Practically, um, we, tend, we tend to be the person that we think we are. We tend to be the person that we think we are. So God's over here, and he's shouting down from heaven going, You're a new creation! Jesus died for you! The old man is gone. The new man has come. You know, God's over here doing this. And then practically, because of the fact we're still here in this world and have that old nature, we're sitting there and we're making bad decisions. You know, I was driving back from Oklahoma. And, um, yeah, I... If you've ever gone across the bottom of Missouri and on Highway 60, I mean, there's nothing there. So, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, you kind of get, and the traffic was like, you know, I'm trying to defend my driving techniques. You know, and so I'm sitting there and I'm going, you know, and I'm looking around, you know, and all of a sudden you hear this, and it's that rumble strip. Now, unfortunately, Judy's Sunday school class did a sermon series on rumble sticks, strips and how they're there to warn you that you're going off course. So since that time, Judy hates rumble sticks. 
Okay? So, strips. And so, so I, I'm driving, I kind of look over this way, and there I go, or here I go this way, and you know, and, and she does that look, you know, that look, you know. And, so, and at one time, I have to admit, I may have dozed off. <laughs> you know, it, it may, it's just possible. One time, I may have dozed off. You know, and that was legit. But, but here's the deal. I found out that where I look, I steer. Where I look, I steer. And, and the habits and the things that we allow into our lives, we steer our lives that way. And so what we think, we become. You know, we think that we're, we can't and we can't. We think we're loser and we become losers. Um, once again, true confession. I remember, if you don't mind me telling this, um, you know, last year, last year, I was at a point in my life where I'd gained back some of the weight that I lost, and I really saw myself as very fat. Okay? And so, Judy drug out the, the uh, mission video from, from January last year, and I'm looking at this guy going, dang, he wasn't fat. But you know what I thought it was? And so when you're fat, you have a tendency to get fatter. If, if, you've, gone, if you've gone this far off the wagon... You might as well let it run over you. Does, can anybody deal with how with that? Well, I, I fell off my diet, so I might as well blow it good. We don't know how careful that's how we live. Oh, well, I didn't have a devotion this week. I didn't have a quiet time this week, so I might as well go two weeks without it. It's really the tendency. So what we got to do is we got to learn what God is whispering and shouting to us that we're new creations and believe in that. And believe, by the way, that with Christ, all things are possible. All things are possible. So we've got to believe, we've got to believe what the Bible says about us. It means if anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, the old life is gone, a new life has begun. You know, it's a great scripture. I've read the Bible through several times, many times. And, and I didn't remember the scripture. Listen to this, listen to this. Do not, God says, speaking to the children of Israel... Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to the things of old. Isn't that great? Let me read it to you. You didn't get it. I'll, I'll read it again. Punch him and wake him up. Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Because I'll tell you what we do. We do exactly that. We replay our failures, just which reinforces the fact that we're failures. We rehearse and replay over and over and over again the things that we do wrong. And God says, don't do that. Don't do that. Even Paul said in Philippians 3.13, he goes, I've not arrived, but here's one thing I do. I forget the things of the past. And I press toward the things that are the high calling of Jesus Christ. It's so huge that we remember we put the past in the past. Put your now learn lessons, yes, but put the past in the past. Don't let Satan feed you that lie that, that you'll always be what you were. Because that's a lie from hell. That's not what God says about you. Not what God says about you. So do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to the things of old. Look. Look. I am about to do something new. Even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, I know that's written to the children of Israel. 
But I'm telling you, God is speaking to our hearts today, and He is saying, hey, I'm about to do something new. 2020 is here. You know, I love the fact, I saw Jackie, it may have been you, who referenced, I used to pray this and probably do, still do occasionally, but you know, each day is a blank canvas. Was that you? Yeah, each day is a blank canvas. So we wake up, no matter what I scribbled yesterday, okay, I get up in the morning and God gives me a blank canvas. And I get to try to draw on that, actually I hope he will draw on that canvas that day. If I messed it up the day before. And God says, I'm going to do something new. See it? Do you see it? I, I will make a way in the wilderness. I will make rivers in the desert. God has great plans for us. God has great plans for our church. God has great plans for our families. And God has great plans for us as his children individually. He does. But we've got to believe that. We've got to believe that. We've got to believe that. Here. How many of y'all go to movies like the previews? Anybody? Come on, raise your hand. Anybody like the previews? Well, there's just a couple, three. What do y'all do during that time? I like the previews. See, so I sit there, you know, Judy does it, by the way. She'll go with me, but she doesn't like the previews. So I'm sitting there, and I'm punching her, going, need to see that one. You know, don't want to see that one. Ooh, that's gross. You know? But often, I punch her, you know, you know the, the little women's out? Now, I'm a dude. Okay, but that sounded pretty interesting for women, you know. And that and that Jumanji movie might be good. I haven't checked it out fully. I, I don't know about that one. You know, Star Wars came out. They released all those trailers. You know, that was kind of cool. But I'm punching that we didn't see that. See, the whole point of a preview is to get you to want to see the whole thing. Well, I want you to tell you something. We are a preview of coming attractions. See, did you notice? Watch this. There is one thing that you're going to take to heaven from earth. You know what it is? It's your new nature. Your new nature. You, you, nobody said amen to that? You ain't going to take the stinking body. Dang, if I had to go to heaven and know I was going to have to die for all eternity, I don't want to do that. I'm glad I'm going to have a new body. I, this, dude, we're going to have hair. We're going to have hair. It's going to be a great deal. But I've got something I'm going to take from earth, and it is what God created in me the day I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. It is my new nature. I'm taking it to heaven with me. And I, listen, I am a sneak preview. I'm a preview of coming attractions because God says in Revelation 21, 5, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. So there's a time when God's going to make everything new. But until he made everything new, he made me new. He made me new. And I'm out there in the world saying, This is what God wants to do in your life. He wants to make you knew like he made me knew and one day he's going to make everything new. Woo, shoot that thing. Shoot that thing. I'm telling you, previews of coming attractions of what's going to happen. And then we get down to verse number 18. All of this. Whew, boy, I've been on a treadmill, but I need to get back on it again. All of this, all of this is a gift from God. The whole package. Seeing people different. Seeing Jesus, seeing ourselves, the reality of what He wants to do in the lives of others, the reality of who He is, and the reality of what He wants to do in our lives. All of this is a gift from God who 
brought us back to himself. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. In other words, you know, part of the deal was he saved us. And then he said this, I want you to go share what I've done with you for those who don't have. I want you to go share what I've done for you with the ones who don't have. Now, there's what we call, dang, I got to breathe. Shoot that thing. <laughs> there's what we call, <laughs> we call the Olive Garden Syndrome. Okay? Now, every once in a while they do this. I don't think they're doing it at the moment, but they did it not too long ago, where you go in there and you buy one entree and get one to take home to eat later. Okay? You get one entree now, and then they give you a free one to take home and eat later. Now, the deal is, who's that about? It's about you. It's about you. Dang. You know, uh, most of us don't think, well, I'll share that with my wife. No, shoot that thing. No, I'm going to eat that one, and I'm going to hide that sucker in the refrigerator, and when I get hungry again, I'm going to eat that too. Now, that's kind of how we are with the gospel. We get this, and anything else we get, we're going to keep for ourselves. Okay? But see, what God wants us to have is the dessert syndrome. Now, how many of y'all ever looked at the dessert menu? Raise your hands. Yeah, yeah. Have you noticed something? Them dudes are expensive. I mean, it's not uncommon to see a $5.99 and a $6.99 dessert. And by the way, Jesus, I need to be candid and tell you, we rarely buy dessert. Now, tomorrow's my birthday. And I've got a thing from Red Lobster that says I get a free dessert. Guess we're eating supper tomorrow night. You guessed it. Exactly right. But anyway, so so you come in and the waitress says, you know, um, you all want dessert. And I look at it, maybe, maybe not. I'm just hypothetical. I'll look at it and go, well, you know, that looks really good. But, you know, boy, is that, it must be really good to be that price. And she goes, oh, no, no, no. There's enough to share. I'll bring extra spoons. So she brings that pumpkin. Oh, Charlie, remember old Charlie chocolate cake? Shoot that thing, son. That sucker was that big. So, so you bring it in there and you give everybody a spoon and you have it to share the grace is something we have to share. God has given us grace to share grace. We, he, didn't, he didn't give us grace to put in the refrigerator and hide it so we can have it ourselves. He gave grace to share, to share. So Paul says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task, this task of reconciling people to himself. Now, now, now read, read what's fixed to be on the screen. The, this, is, this is repeat. The path to God is paved with the blood of His Son. The path to God is... Now, think about that. You know, God has weird paving materials. We've heard that the streets of, of the New Jerusalem be paved in gold. Well, the path to your redemption is paved in blood. The blood of the Son of God. You know, I used this scripture back in December 22nd. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value, but it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. So the path of redemption is paved in his blood. But then it goes on and it says, what God has done for you, he wants to do for every person. What God has done for you, he wants to do for every person. He wants we, who have experienced His grace, 
to share his grace. If there's anything we need to share, it's God's love and God's grace to a world that is lost, gone away to hell. So then we get down to verse 19. We are almost done. <laughs> We're really almost done. First Corinthians 5:19. So here's go. For God was in Christ, that's Christmas, reconciling the world to himself, that's Easter. No longer counting people's sins against them. Now I need to read that again, because this is so good. This ought to get your motor going. Okay? For God was in Christ, that's Christmas. That's Christmas. Reconciling the world to himself, that's Easter, okay? No longer counting people's sins against them. That's huge. That's huge. How many of y'all like Dave Ramsey or listen to Dave Ramsey? Anybody here? Gosh, you guys. Anyway, he's, he's a good dude. He really is a good dude. Anyway, so, so his big deal is get out of debt. His whole deal. I mean, his big deal. You know, I, I, can't, I can't remember what he says exactly. He says something like, you know, welcome to the, to the Dave Ramsey show where cash is king and the new staff symbol of choice is not the BMW, but debt-free living or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, so, so he has this live radio show. And he invites people to come in who have gotten out of debt. Okay? And they might say, well, tell me, tell me, how much debt did you have? Well, I had $70,000 worth of debt. Did that include your cars and house? No, that's just credit cards. Okay? Well, how much do you make a year? Well, I make $90,000 a year. That's great. Well, how long did it take you to pay this debt off? Uh, it took us two years to pay it off. That's awesome. Well, tell me exactly how you did it. He goes on and on. And at the end, he goes, okay, are you ready to do your debt-free screen? And they count down. One, two, three. We're debt-free. We're debt-free. We're debt-free. Because the word says the, the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them. We're debt-free. And it was a debt we couldn't even pay back. So Jesus paid us for it. So you know what we're going to do, don't you? We're going to do our debt-free screen. Because our sins are forgiven. Romans 8, 1 says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to count us down to 1, 2, 3. And we're going to go, we're debt free. 1, 2, 3. We're debt free. Take that into 2020. I don't care what Satan says. I don't care what your worst critic says. Your sin is forgiven. Your debt is paid. Paid in full. Paid in full. So our last last verse we're going to conquer is is verse 20. So, so then, summary, summary, in closing. So then, we are Christ ambassadors. We are Christ ambassadors. We have the privilege of speaking for the king. Okay? God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. So, So we need... We need to see people like God sees people. We need to see Christ for who he is. And we need to see what we are through Christ. And all that comes together with us, with us sharing the good news this year in different ways, in different ways. You know, Francis Chan, a very interesting guy, Francis Chan said, the point of your life is to point to him. The point of your life... See, see, you thought it was like to make money or something. Now, if you're a child of God, the point of your life is to point to Him. Whatever you are doing, God wants to be glorified. 
Whatever you are doing, God wants to be glorified because this whole thing is His. This whole thing is His. It is His movie, His world, and His gift. So we've got to get busy. So 20 years ago, 25 years ago, He came. 20 years ago, I came. July 2000, I came. Didn't know how long this gig was going to run. Boy, it's been fun. <laughs> and, you know, still here. Thank y'all. Appreciate that. <laughs> we're, we're, we're grateful, right, Brent? We're grateful. Dave, you grateful? Um, we're all grateful. We are. Um, so anyway, so uh, here we are, and 20 years later, and I'm going, gosh, I was, I was 46 when I came here. I, I already did the math on some of y'all. Don't worry. <laughs> Like Laverne. Even Laverne was a lot younger 20 years ago. You know, she's like, she'd be like 17, you know? You know? But here's the deal. I can't believe how fast this 20 years it's gone. I can't believe it. You know, I do that Baptist Hour thing every week, every first of the month. Can you believe another month has come and gone? And we count down the year, and boy, 19's gone. Right. This, this year's going to go quick. You know, let, let me share something. I got three. Oh, I mean, second. I'm sorry. Okay, listen to this. This this is really interesting. The clock is ticking. Uh, A man with the name Leslie, Dr. Leslie Weatherhead, did the math and figured out age versus time on a clock. So it goes like this. If you're 20 years old, it's 11.34 a.m. If you're 30 years old, it's 1.51 p.m. If you're 40 years old, you're 4.08 p.m. Now, some of y'all are already going, I don't like the sound of this, okay? If you're 50 years old, it's 6.25 p.m. If you're 60 year, years old, it's 8.42 p.m. And if you're 70, it's 11 p.m. And if you're older than that, it's going dong, dong, dong. My point? We don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time. So whatever we're going to do, I, I love to quote Jesus talking to Judas. You know, at the dinner, he goes, whatever we do, do quickly. You know, whatever we're going to do for God in 2020, we must do it quickly. Because this year will be gone um, before we know it. So we always end with a time of decision, and that's what we're going to do this morning. And uh, the first thing is this. You heard a lot about Jesus dying on the cross. You heard about him paying for our sins. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, we want to give you that opportunity. You may just have questions. And Brent will be standing down front. And you can bring your questions, and we'll try to answer those. If you want to make an appointment for later, we can go to your house and talk to you about Jesus there. Um, but he really is the most incredible thing. We are lost of words to tell you how good Jesus Christ is. It's incredible. It's just incredible. So that's one thing. And, and, and then to the rest of us, there are two kinds of people here, ones who know Jesus and ones who haven't met him yet. And so if you haven't met him yet, that's your invitation. But if you met him, I want to challenge you as you look at 2020. Will, will you take the challenge to see people differently? Will you take the challenge to see Jesus like you've never seen him before? Find yourself at loss of words for who he is? You know, will you take the challenge to start seeing yourself as God sees yourself? Now, again, I want you to get puffy. I'm not, I, last thing we need is a bunch of proud Christians walking around, okay? But I'm telling you what, when we start understanding what God says about us and who we are in Jesus Christ, we get much more aggressive and powerful for the kingdom of God. Amen? So, so maybe that's where you are there. And, of course, if you want to come to the altar and pray, and Brent, I'm going to say this publicly, and that falls in your hands, okay? Um, Nikki asked me to be sure um, that we pray for our service then. 
These are dangerous days in the Middle East right now. Dangerous days. Our son-in-law in the army, there's a chance he would be deployed. And so we want to pause today and pray for our servicemen where they are. We want to pray for our missionaries where they are. We have some that are in that harm's way. And so we want to be sure to pray for them, all right? But if you want to come and pray uh, at the altar, this time is yours too. Okay, let's pray together. Hey, God, I want to thank you. You are faithful and true today. And I am so thankful for that. God, thank you. And literally, I know I have been looking forward to 2020. Just the the idea and the concept of seeing clearly um, what you want for us and what you want to do in our lives and our church. So thank you for that. I'm going to pray, Father, for David and for Brent and me as we lead our church in 2020. May we see clearly, Father, what you want us to be and do uh, this coming year. I pray for that. If there's a friend here today who has never trusted Christ, Lord, would you call them and woo them to yourself and cause them, Father, to come at least ask questions about you. They may not understand all that's going on in their heart right now, but I know you love them and want to save them. And then God, challenge us. Let that burn into our hearts. Um, Challenge us to be and do what you want us to be and do. I love you. We love you today. And thank you for this opportunity. And Jesus, we pray in your precious name.